each thought that he was in some fair dream, until he saw that his fellows were awake also beside him. But they did not speak or stir while Felagan still played, because of the beauty of the music and the wonder of the song. Wisdom was in the words of the elven king, and the hearts grew wiser that hearkened to him. Hello, hello. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Keep On Tolkien, or welcome to if it's your first time. We are back today with uh, part three of our three-part series this season. Yeah. Everybody loves our our big three-parters, right? Yeah, so I'm told. Yeah, I love them. I had a lot of fun with this one, though. The the three-parter we're doing this season is the Princes of the Noldor, and uh, today we're doing our final episode on who... Finrod Felagund. Finrod Felagund. I feel like he's a lot of people's favorite. Yeah, everybody loves Finrod. He is the uh, the fair, noble, yeah, sexy friend, sexy guy. Everyone liked him. So let's talk a little bit briefly first. You know who was Finrod? I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with him. Kianes Finrod. So Finrod was one of the princes of the Noldor and Elves. He was never one of the high kings. Uh, like our previous characters where we talked previously about uh, Feanor and Fingolfin, they both went on to be High King. Mm-hmm. Finrod was never High King, but he was King of the Kingdom of Nargothrond in Beleriand. Yes, sir. And uh, he's considered the fairest and most noble of all the Noldor. And he is, uh, he is a practitioner of strong elf magic. Yeah, we see him uh, wield elf magic a lot more than most characters. Yeah, him and Gladriel. Oh, that shit. They're related. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, they're brother and sister. There you go. Yeah. Maybe it's a family thing. Yeah. It's in the blood. Yeah. In the Silmarillion, he's distinctly listed as uh, one of the four great lords of the Noldor. They list him as Fingolfin, Fingon, Maedros, and Finrod Felagan. Yeah, yeah. And Finrod, um, he, like a lot of people in Tolkien, has a lot of names. So let's go through some of them. Yeah, he has more, actually, than I thought he did. Me too. I learned a lot. Uh, these are A lot of these are really cool. So initially we've got his you know regular name Finrod, which is actually a shortened version of his birth name, which is Findarato, and that is Quenya for golden-haired champion. Another name of his is Artafinde, which is Quenya for noble golden hair. That was actually the name given to him by his mother. We've also got Ingoldo, which is Quenya for the Noldo. We've got Gnome, which is actually a Manish name that was given to him by the Edain, and that's Manish for wisdom. We also have Edenil, which is Sindarin for friend of men. Atandil is Quenya for friend of men. I like that one. Atandil is great. The Quenya version? Yeah. And then Edenil, which is Manish for friend of men. And then, of course, my favorite one, Felagund, which is a Sindarinized Kuzdul word. From the original Kuzdul, Felak Gundu, which means Hewer of Caves. I think that's my favorite. Yeah, Hewer of Caves is awesome. <laughs> and he's also called King of Nargothrond. He's also referred to as Faithful, Faithful Finrod, and the Master of Caves. Yeah, if you didn't catch by uh, his various names, he's really good friends with men. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> there are like three or four different of his uh, different names of his that just reference how how friendly he is with men. He's man friendly. 
and we'll get into why that is. But let's start at the beginning. Back to the beginning. Here we go. So, good old Finrod, he was born in El Colande in Valinor in the year 1300 of the Years of the Trees. So he was born in a pretty great time. Yeah, this is the bliss of Valinor. Yeah, they're noontide. And he was the eldest son of Finarfin and Arwen. As we know, Finarfin is the brother of Fingolfin and Feanor. Yeah, one of Feanor's half-brothers. And Finarfin's house is the only house of the Noldor to have golden hair. Why is that? Because Arwen is actually uh, from uh, Elgolande. She's Hilary. Oh, yeah. Because the Noldor all have black hair. Mm -hmm. So this is where uh, Finrod Felagund gets his distinct golden hair from, his mother. And his siblings were Angrod, Angner, and Galadriel. Yeah, in the uh, published version of the Silmarillion, a lot of a lot of you folks might be thinking about this right now. Oradreth, right? Where is he in all this? In the published version of the Silmarillion, Oradreth is included as uh, one of Finrod's brothers. But later on, uh, apparently Christopher Tolkien came out and acknowledged the fact that making Oradreth Finrod's brother was wrong. Because, I mean, Tolkien was always changing characters around. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, using names or changing who their character was in relation to the story all the time. So apparently later on, Christopher Tolkien came out and acknowledged that Ordreth should be the son of Angrod, which is Finrod's brother. So Ordreth should rightly be Finrod's nephew, not Finrod's brother. Right, right. Good to know. So that's an update in the canon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, Finrod is also the great nephew of Elufingol by way of his mother, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. It was his uh, mother's brother. Is that right? Was it that? Is that? Is it that close? Oh, he's a great nephew. Yeah, but I think it's because yeah, because she's Teleri, so it's got to be yeah, it's got to be. That's right. Her, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Finrod was close friends with his cousin Turgon, who is the son of Fingolfin. Um, we know Turgon from uh, Gondolin, being the king of Gondolin for a while. Yeah, and I know we've uh, discussed kind of at length in the past couple episodes about how Feanor didn't get along with his brothers, and likewise his sons, Feanor's sons, didn't get along with you know his brother's sons. But apparently between his brothers. Uh, Fingolfin and uh, Finarfin. Apparently, all their sons got along yeah, really well. So yeah, they're super cool. Not family. only Turgon and uh, Finrod, but apparently all of them were super tight. Yeah. Later, when um, Turgon argues with Feanor about leaving him on, Finrod he he backs up uh, oh, Turgon. He's in Turgon's yeah. corner. Yeah, they're super tight, standing up for him, even against fucking Feanor, which is intimidating. <sighs> Scary person to stand up. Yeah, to. that fiery spirit. Weird thing about Finrod, he has no wife. Yeah, he never took a wife. He's one of the characters, one of the princes of the Noldor that remained single. I think Turgon also remained single, right? No, Turgon's wife died crossing the Helcarax, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Finrod didn't have a wife, but something I did not know until recently is Finrod did, however, have a lover back in Valinor. Ooh. And her name was, I'm probably going to butcher this, Amarie? Yeah, that's how I'd say it, Amarie. Yeah, so they never got married because somehow... Even while in Valinor, they did they'd have a thing, but uh, Finrod somehow recognized that he had this destiny that required him never to be married. Yeah, it would just be better if he weren't married because he has to focus on his, yeah, he, his destiny. He, he knows something's coming, and there's a, there's a point in the Silmarillion where Galadriel asks him about this, and we're, we're going to throw in a quick excerpt from that. Now King Finrod Felagund had no wife. And Galadriel asked him why this should be. But foresight came upon Felagond as she spoke, and he said, An oath I too shall swear, and must be free to fulfill it, and go into darkness. Nor shall anything of my realm endure that a son should inherit. 
Yeah, kind of emo. Yeah, but that's a that's a hell of a lot of foresight though in those like <laughs> two sentences because yeah. he alludes to what what he has to do with Baron, right? Yeah, the, the quest for the Silmaril, and he even forced foresees like the fall of his entire realm. Yeah, nothing's gonna last for a son to uh, to have. Yeah, he just still keeps trucking on through life. Yeah, I I never <laughs> realized that is really emo. That's yeah, super emo. super emo. He's goth as fuck. Yeah, and one of the main reasons why we never hear about his lover, Amarie, is because she, like like we mentioned a little bit ago, she stayed in Valinor. So during the flight of the Noldor, when all the Noldor left, she stayed because she was one of the Vanyar. Yeah, not a single one of them mofos left. They all stayed. It's generally accepted that Finrod has no children, but there is a debate that questions, who then is Gildor and Glorian from the Fellowship of the Ring? Right, yeah, a, a hearken uh, over to the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. This is the first elf we come in contact with in the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, Frodo, is it Frodo on his own? It's Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam. They meet him as they're trucking through the Shire, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, right, yeah, just on the outskirts of the Shire. On the outskirts, late at night. Uh, we've actually got a quick excerpt to kind of reveal why there's some debate about this. I am Gildor, answered their leader, the elf who had first hailed Frodo. Gildor and Glorian of the House of Finrod. We are exiles, and most of our kindred have long ago departed, and we too are now only tarrying here a while, ere we return over the great sea. And Gildor also uses the name Inglorian, which means son of Inglor. And Inglor, as we learned earlier, is one of the names of Finrod. Right, so a couple direct references here. Not even his, you know, frickin' name, but he says that he's from the house of Finrod. Right. But Finrod doesn't have any kids, right? So yeah. how is that possible? How so is it possible? there's kind of some debate there. Obviously, this is all just kind of part of the reoccurring theme. You know, Tolkien was constantly revising his characters. So uh, maybe this was just an inconsistency, that's inconsistency that slipped by Christopher. Maybe it's a post-edit by Christopher. Yeah, maybe we're just being dicks about it because... Way too nitpicky. Yeah, because this whole universe <laughs> isn't isn't complete enough. I'm sorry, sir. You have to tell us exactly. I know you made the languages and you drew the maps <laughs> and whatever, but this is, uh, this is not right. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> nitpicking the work of a dead man. But but for real, J.R.R., we, we love your stuff. Yeah, good shit, man. Good shit. No no criticisms here. A little more female characters, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and for more on that, harken back to our uh, women in Tolkien from last season. Yeah. But uh, back to Finrod. So that's good, anyway. old, good old Finrod Felagand. So uh, that's pretty much everything that we know of uh, Finrod's early life. Uh, there's not too much going on. Kind of like a lot of Tolkien's characters, they pretty much come into play into the stories when they're already adults. There's not a hell of mm-hmm. a lot of back information on some of them. But yeah, yeah. so we really start to get more information about him around the time of you know the unrest of the Noldor and, the, and the, mainly the flight of the Noldor out of Valinor. Now, Finrod was among those who opposed Feanor and the Oath. However, when the Noldor departed from Amman, he did join them for a few reasons. Yeah, he didn't want to be separated from his friends because, I mean, pretty much everyone was going at this point. Almost all the Noldor were were game to head out. He did not want to leave his people to the rash rule of Feanor either. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, crazy. Yeah, we saw we saw that reasoning come into play with Fingolfin too. Apparently, people <laughs> yeah. pretty much everyone understands that Feanor might not be the best leader. Yeah, it's funny that like sometimes leaders are so bad that like people have to like just obstruct them from doing terrible things. You know, it's not even their inaction that this right. makes them terrible. It's like you have to like actively stop making them do terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> straight up, straight up. 
Yeah, another reason that uh, he, Finrod joined the march to leave, despite the fact he didn't agree, was he did have his own dreams about going to Middle-earth. And uh, we'll throw out a quick excerpt from the Silmarillion to back that up as well. He had the high courage of the Noldor, and in his youth their eagerness and unrest. And he had also, from his Teleran mother, a love of the sea and dreams of far lands that he had never seen. So during the march, Finrod traveled with his father Finarfin as part of the last host to leave. Yeah, they had uh, the biggest host, so naturally they were much slower. And they had many of the wisest and most noble of the Noldor. Yeah, another reason why it took them so long and why they were going so slow is because they were often looking behind them back at their fair city of Tyrion. They were really going to miss the place. And especially Finrod because he had to leave... Well, how do we say Amar? Amarie, that's what we say. Amarie behind, his lover. He had to leave her behind. Yeah, I can only imagine what that was like. Yeah, but Finrod did, however, bring a lot of treasures with him. Now, this is where I guess some people give him some criticism because mainly he's considered like the most noble and saintly of the of the Noldor. But then here we get to see some of his, uh, I don't know, his, his vices. He really liked he likes all the treasure. treasure. Yeah, yeah, because Nargothrond was known for having treasure, a hell of a treasure hoard. Yeah, and yeah, so he brought a lot of treasures along with him, including his ring, which bore the emblem of his ho- of the House of Finarfin. This special ring. The special ring. With green jewels and two snakes. Yeah. One devouring and one uplifting, right? Yeah. I wear this ring every day. <laughs> it's the ring of Barry here. Sons of bitches. Yeah, and uh, you recognize that? That's Aragorn's ring and the ring of all the kings of Numenor. It's like one of the oldest artifacts ever, like in the whole Legendarium. Yeah. Gets all the way through the first age, second age, and endures into the fourth age. Yeah, presumably Aragorn passes it down to his son. So it starts from the years of the trees all the way into the fourth age and the end of the legendarium. Like, yeah. Cool ring. Anyway. Due to being last and super slow, they missed the kinslaying at Elkalande. Totally missed the boat. Which is, I guess, kind of a lucky chance for them. They didn't have to be part of that because uh, poor uh, Finra, or, uh, Fingolfin's crew, he, they were the second group, and they yeah. came up during the kinslaying, and they yeah. were like, well, shit, let's help out our family. Mm-hmm. And then they got all tied in with that shit. Yeah, bad news bears. Yeah, lucky for Finarfin's host. They uh, they were slower. They missed it, which is good. But after the kinslaying, uh, when they went further north and they uh, came across the Doom of Mandos, this is when Finarfin and his people were kind of like, nope, we're done with this. Yeah. Because they got that herald from Mandos, or could have been Mandos himself. Could have been himself, yeah. And he just pronounces this terrible doom and fate on them for the kinslaying. And Finarfin's people are like, we weren't even fucking there for this. This <laughs> yeah. is getting a bit outrageous. Nopes. <laughs> we're, we're done here, folks. We're turning around, going back. Whole bunch of nopes on that. We're out of here. But not all of them turned around. But uh, a good chunk of them, I think it was most of Finarfin's folks, right? But there were some that stayed, including good old Finrod Felagund and uh, his sister Galadriel. Yeah. And he and his his sister Galadriel, they led the remainder of their people across the Helcarax with uh, Fingolfin and his people, which was a terrible time for everybody. No, that was was an awful crossing. And we've actually got a, uh, a quick excerpt from the Silmarillion about it. The fire of their hearts was young, and led by Fingolfin and his sons, and by Finrod and Galadriel, they dared to pass into the bitterest north, and finding no other way, they endured at last the terror of the Hell Karaks, 
and the cruel hills of ice. Few of the deeds of the Noldor therefore surpassed that desperate crossing in hardihood or in woe. Yeah. Yeah, the the crossing of the Hellcrack say it's kind of like a quick blip in the story, but apparently it was a pretty fucking big deal. Yeah. Remember we found that one stat that millions of elves <laughs> Yeah, died. we found that because we had <laughs> we found some stats about like how many people <laughs> were part of their group trying to cross this and apparently yeah, it was like exponential amount. It was crazy. Four million elves were killed crossing the Hellcrack. Yeah, and then how many died? Yeah. Like what is the yeah, what is there's frozen elf corpses everywhere up there. Including Turgon's wife. Yeah. But when they get to the other side of the Hellcraxi and they finally make it to Middle Earth, this is what actually starts the first age. Yeah, this is the event that they reckon it by. Yeah, in the Silmarillion it says like as soon as Fingolfin and Finrod's host, like as soon as they step into Beleriand, the sun rises for the first time and the first age begins. It's kind of a glorious, and they like sound trumpets and like fly their banners and yeah, it's supposed to be gorgeous, super gorgeous. Flowers come up under their feet as they walk. Yeah, man. And by this time, Feanor was already killed after the Dagor Nun Giliath. Nun Giliath. Yeah. If you remember back to uh, the episode, two episodes ago, two our, episodes ago, our uh, first uh, Princes of the Noldor about Feanor. Yeah. By this time, he already came to Middle Earth. He had like a battle, the glorious battle, right? Or was it the Battle Under Stars? Battle Under Stars. Battle yeah. Under the Stars, which was a big victory for them. And then he got, you know, cocky and he tried to chase after Melkor's host and got himself killed. Such a fool. And uh, Finrod and Fingolfin's host, actually, uh, they attempt to straight up attack Angband. Yeah, when they get there, they kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Because uh, Melkor, he's still hiding from the sun. There's no orcs about. Uh, everyone's scared of this new thing called the sun. Yeah, they were able to march right on up to the gates. But... Uh, the gates were obviously closed. They couldn't get in. And this begins a 400-year-long siege of Angband. Yeah, this is like their version of the Watchful Peace. Yeah, yeah. And this is when we get a lot of setup, basically, during mm-hmm. this 400-year siege. This is when you get a lot of like the kingdoms get set up and things. Um, but immediately after, they go and knock on the doors, trying to uh, confront Melkor. Obviously, nothing happens. That's when they turn around and they go meet up with the rest of the Noldor for the first time since they got super fucked over at the burning of the ships. Yeah. And so this is the first time that the host that got left behind makes it and meets up with Feanor's host. And, you know, some of them are happy to see each other, but in general, there is uh, there is some it's tension. It's yeah, awkward. It's, it's awkward. I think Feanor's host, like, relocates to the southern side yeah, of the lake. Yeah, they're like, we're they're just like, going to go ahead and go over there We'll now. be nearby, but just on the other side of this big old lake. <laughs> And in the early part of the First Age, Finrod built the watchtower of Minas Tirith on the island of Tol Sirion in the pass of in the pass of Sirion. So it's like a narrow, um, narrow bit between two mountains, right? And the right, yeah, in the uh, river Sirion, flows like the through. mountain ranges that kind of separated the northern portion of the land from like the greater part of Beleriand. That was like the pass that got you there, or that one of the two, there. really. Yeah, you've that or Maglor's Gap, right? Yeah, that or Maglor's Gap on the east side. That's yeah, that's right. And so, naturally, Finrod built this watchtower right in that gap. So he's kind of guarding that gap, which is why the tower was named Minas Tirith, the Tower of Guard. Tower of Guard. And this is a, a, another thing we, we, we thought we'd clarify. This is not the Minas Tirith of the Third Age. 
No, some people might be drawing that connection between like this Minas Tirith and the Minas Tirith of Gondor, like Pelennor Fields and all that. Right, and it, what it comes down to is Tolkien's names for things are basically descriptions of what they are in a different language. Yeah, in Elvish. <laughs> yeah, in Elvish. So Minas Tirith literally means the Tower of Guard. So like truly Minas Tirith of the Third Age, the city's name is Minas Anor, right. but they changed the name to Minas Tirith, the Tower of Guard. When uh, the the war started happening with Sauron. Yeah, when Sauron became a problem. So yeah, originally, Third Age was Minas Anor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to clarify, this is not the same city. No, not at all. And uh, the uh, so the, the Tower of Guard, Minas Tirith, in the Pass of Syrian, on the island, in the River Syrian. So he gave this fortress over to his uh, nephew, Orodreth. Yeah, who in the book will say is his brother, but we learned earlier in this episode... It's his nephew. It's a lie. It's false. It's false. Unacceptable. <laughs> the Lemonheads. <laughs> so Orodreth is the ruler of, of Minas Tirith for, for a good while. Now, around the year 50 of the First Age, this is when Finrod goes and meets up with his good friend Turgon. And uh, right now, I think Finrod is still living in Tolsirian with Orodreth. He doesn't really have anywhere else to live at, at this point. And uh, he and Turgon meet up, and they just kind of go for, I don't know, it's like they go out camping. They go for a little vacation down the yeah, river some, Syrian. some bro time. Some bro time. They just go and hang out. And they uh, one night they encamped along the bank of the river Syrian, and while they were sleeping, they both received, I don't know if you want to call it a vision or a dream, either way, they got these uh, dreams from Ulmo. And these dreams were warning them to prepare for a coming day of evil. And he also hints to Turgon about the Vale of Tumladen, where he later builds Gondolin. And to uh, Finrod, the realm of uh, where he'll build Nargothrond. Yeah, so he's both you know, he's warning them both, beware, something bad's going to happen, make sure you get yourselves fortified. Yeah, make sure you post up. And then after they wake up, this has always kind of confused me, despite the fact that they're both really good friends, Neither of them told the other about their dream. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Each of them thought that Ulmo had, uh, like, basically... I'm super special and Ulmo only talked to me. Ulmo only talked to them and they didn't want to reveal that to the other one. So they both basically, after that, just went about their ways and ended up building both of their secret fortresses. Yeah, I wonder if they ever, like, talked afterward and, like... Remember that camping trip we had (laughs) back in that summer? That's where I learned about Tumladen, bro. Remember back in the summer of 50? (laughs) So not long after their little camping trip down the river Syrian, Finrod and his siblings actually go to visit their great uncle, good old King Thingol over in Doriath. Yes, yes. And while there, Finrod kind of shares his hopes about building a secret guarded kingdom because he was actually super inspired when he came to visit Thingol. He got super inspired by Menegroth. By Menegroth, yeah. The, the Thousand, Thousand Caves. Caves. Yeah. Yeah, because it it's one hell of a gorgeous fortress. And so he confided in Thingol, I, you know, I want to build something like this. And that's when Thingol actually recommends to him the location for the, destru- for the construction of Nargothrond. Because uh, Thingol's been here for a real long time. Yeah, he knows, he knows the land. Yeah, yeah, he knows about these caves right on this river over to the west. He is also fond of caves. Yeah, kind of his <laughs> thing, you know. A thousand caves. And in the year 52 of the First Age, Fenrod officially founds the hidden kingdom of Nargothrond. Yeah, just a couple of years later. And uh, we've got a quick passage uh, from the Silmarillion about how it was inspired from the uh, kingdom of Menegroth. Then Fenrod was filled with wonder at the strength and majesty of Menegroth, its treasuries and armories, and many pillared halls of stone. And it came into his heart that he would build wide halls behind ever-guarded gates in some deep 
and secret place beneath the hills. Yeah, I never really realized how Nargothrond and Menegroth really were. Just dug out cave and Yeah, like, just a bunch castles, of caves and shit. Castles underground. Yeah. We here in St. Paul, Minnesota, we're uh, pretty familiar with caves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're built on caves. Built on caves. Things are built into caves. A bunch of teenagers get killed every summer going into the caves. Yeah. People go into the caves and start fires in there, and then they suffocate. <laughs> Public service announcement. <laughs> don't if ever you start don't, a fire in a cave. Right. If you don't already know not to start a fire in a cave. Don't do that. Listen to this. Don't do it. Yeah, they blocked off all the caves now because kids were going in there and killing themselves on accident. How are we supposed to do our spelunking? But for real, there are some real cool caves around. Yeah, you guys, if you ever come to St. Paul, check it out. So, Nargothrond. So, Nargothrond was built in the caverns of Narog between, or excuse me, beneath the forest hills that are known as Tar and Faroth, and that's on the western bank of the river Narog. But Finrod was not the first to delve in those caves. It had been inhabited by petty dwarves who called it Nuluk Kidsdin. Yeah, I feel like the petty dwarvish words that they come up with in Kruz Duel are even harder even than grosser, regular. Yeah, yeah. Dwar- regular dwarvish. Nuluk Kidsdin. Nuluk Kidsdin. Yeah, so initially the petty dwarves had kind of started delving that out, but they were driven out for some reason or another. I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but they, they kind of left it. Yeah, probably orcs, who knows. So Finrod went ahead and enlisted the help of the, the proper dwarves. I guess he the got a good hold. Ones. <laughs> yeah, he got a hold of the dwarves over in the city of Nagrod, in the, way over to the east in the Blue Mountains, and they helped him build this fortress. Yeah, and he paid them with some of those super sweet fucking jewels he brought from Valinor. And the dwarves love that shit. Yeah, some folks might be thinking, how do you get dwarves to just help you make a kingdom? Well, you pay them with some super fucking gnarly jewels that they've never seen before. Yeah, they'll do anything for jewels. Apparently, they also would do like anything for uh, for pearls. Oh, yeah? Apparently, some of them got some pearls one time through Kyrdon, or somebody got them from Kyrdon, and they traded with them, and they just thought they were the coolest fucking thing. Well, I suppose pearls are from the sea. They never really make it over that Right, far. they don't make pearls. Pearls yeah. are made by giant fucking clams. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Dwarf facts by Joel. <laughs> dwarf facts. Um, but the, yeah, so the dwarves, they absolutely loved being paid in those precious gems from Valinor. And they were actually so grateful for this business tra- for this uh, business transaction that the dwarves made for Finrod a special necklace called the Nauglamir, which really comes into play later on. Yes. Yes, it does. Comes into play in like, well, is it all three of the... It comes Tales? to play... No, it's definitely not part of Baron and Luthien. It comes in... No, it is. The now Glamir? Yeah, Luthien wears it, remember? At oh, the, I suppose that is towards the end, the end yeah. 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 So that's yeah. part of the Children of Hurin. It's part of the Children of Hurin. It's part of Baron and Luthien. It's just not part of the fall. No. Well, I suppose so right, after the, right after the fall, they have it at the mouths of Syrian, so it's kind of at the end of all the tales. Yeah. I suppose all the tales kind of end all together. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. little rambling. <laughs> So this is also when uh, the dwarves finally give Finrod the name, or the title, Felagund, Hewer of Caves. Well, we should say they gave him the title, Felak Gundo, Hewer of Caves. And then everyone was like, oh, that means uh, they called him Felagund or something. Felagund, yeah. That became his nickname. So really his name is like two nicknames. Finrod also built the tower of Barad Nimros on the cape west of the Eglarest in order to keep watch over the western sea. Maybe to see if the Valar were going to show up or something? 
Yeah, I guess he really liked to help people build things. Because uh, another fact that I read earlier was that he also helped build some like fortifying walls around Kirdan's oh, areas. Yeah, yeah around no his little cities on the coasts after Melkor came and fucked their shit up the first time. He yeah, helped yeah. build some walls. That's nice of him. Yeah, he's a real, real good guy. No wonder everybody likes this dude. Yeah, no wonder everyone fucking loves <laughs> loves uh, Finrod. He's he's a real nice guy. And like we said, uh, Finrod was a great fan of men. Yeah, and they of him. Yes. And so, um, <clears throat> at one point, he's hunting in the lands of Thargelion in East Beleriand, and he becomes the first of the elves of Beleriand to come across men. Yeah, this is the first time that men have uh, crossed the Blue Mountains into Beleriand, and he just stumbles across them. It happens to be the uh, House of Beor. Yes, indeed. He does not immediately reveal himself, but he hides in the trees, and he observes them. While observing them, love kind of stirs for them in his heart. Yeah. And it's that kind of reminded me of how the Ainur looked upon the children of Ilavatar when they oh, saw yeah. them in the vision. Yeah. It's kind of a similar thing. He looked upon uh, the men and he was like... Just adoringly. Yeah. So after all the men in the camp that he came across, after they had all fallen asleep, that's when Finrod comes out and he kind of slips through them and takes a seat next to their fire and picks up Beor's harp that Beor had left hanging around their camp, and he starts playing a song. And we've got an excerpt from the Silmarillion about this little scene that happens here. He sat beside their dying fire where none kept watch, and he took up a rude harp which Beor had laid aside, and he played music upon it, such as the ears of men had not heard. For they had as yet no teachers in the art, save only the dark elves in the wild lands. Fuck those friggin' dark elves. Yeah, apparently they don't know how to play a harp. Yeah. Can't carry a tune for shit. <laughs> <laughs> but good old Finrod, he's got it down. Yeah. Yeah, he stays with them a while and continues to play, and he eventually starts talking to them, and he learns their language, and he also teaches them Cinder, and he kind of gets to know them. Yeah. And here's another excerpt from the Silmarillion. Felagun dwelt among them and taught them true knowledge, and they loved him, and took him for their lord and were ever loyal to the house of Finarfin. And this is kind of where the uh, love that men have for Finrod Felgen kind of starts. Yeah. He was kind of the first one to meet them, and he was uh, probably the best person that you could meet first. Oh, hell yeah. Imagine if they ran into Means like... like uh, fucking Caligorm and Kurzan. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. one of the sons of Feanor, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah. fuck this place, we're heading back to that side of the They'd mountain. be freaking like enslaved or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, thank Christ they ran into fucking Finrod Felgen. Another really cool fact uh, that I found out about this meeting, so while he so he meets men for the first time, they obviously speak a different language, but uh, in this meeting, Finrod realizes that he also has the ability to kind of read men's minds to an extent. It allowed him to basically understand what they were trying to say to him, mm -hmm. which allowed him to interpret their language way easier. Uh, Galadriel kind of does that too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What's with these son these uh Finarfins kids? Bunch of weirdos. A <laughs> bunch of fucking weirdos with their blonde hair and their <laughs> magic skills. And their magic. Their fucking magic. Their mother was what, Tellerin, right? Yeah. How's it yeah. Well, well they love their singing and their sailing. Maybe they're yeah. into magic too. Yeah. Who knows? And Finrod's not only one of the wisest, but he also loves to share his wisdom with others, especially the Adine. And that's when they named him Gnome, which means wisdom in their language. Yeah, he was really all about the spreading of knowledge. He also just kind of liked interceding for men. 
Uh, in fact, Finrod was also the one who intervened on behalf of the green elves of Assyrian, who feared that these new men were going to destroy their home. Because men had just crossed the Blue Mountains. Right. They had just made it to the west side of the mountains, which is, you know, the easternmost part of Beleriand. That's the Green Elves territory. Oh, yeah. And they're that's like, fuck the these guys. land of seven rivers, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be gorgeous. I yeah. mean, that's where Baron and Luthien uh, spent the rest they, of their yeah, lives. They died there. Mm-hmm. Green Elves weren't a fan of men, apparently. They were kind of wary about them, and they didn't want them there. So Finrod was like, okay, well, well hold on. Well, ho- hold on here, Hold guys. on here. So he's like, I'm going to go talk to the king. So Finrod. Oh, Dreamcast, Finrod, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> hold on, folks. Oh, no, hold on. Here. Hold on here. Uh, I, I just think it's great because <laughs> even though a lot of times the uh, the Noldor find themselves to be like higher than the Cinderin Elves, yeah. And Finrod is, in fact, a king, but he is still like, all right, well, let me go talk to the king of these lands. Yeah. So Finrod he re- actually... He likes to recognize sovereignty. Exactly. Yeah. So he goes out of his way to talk to King Thingol, because he knows King Thingol is really the king of Beleriand here. He yeah. has been since before they got there. So. Yeah, he's an immigrant in in King Thingol's kingdom, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what he, yeah. that's exactly what he is. So he goes to King Thingol and kind of intercedes with him on on behalf of Ben. He's like, you know, hey, there are these new folks here. They got to go somewhere else. Where do you want them to go? And that's when uh, King Thingol gives Men permission to go live in the uh, little region known as Estalad. And that's a wide plain land in the east-central uh, portion of Beleriand. Yeah, I think it's just east or just, just southeast of the forests of Doriath, I think. Yeah, yeah. And at this uh, uh, at this juncture, uh, Fenrod becomes close friends with Andreth uh, of the House of Beor. This is one of, I think, my new favorite characters. I didn't know who this character I was had, uh, prior, yeah. to, prior to doing this episode. Yeah, me neither. We probably say that like every episode. Yeah, we learn things all the time. Which is one of the th- reasons why this is so much fun. Yeah. Get a hold of this. So Finrod became close friends with Andreth, who is a woman from the house of Beor. And uh, to the Edain, she is known as the wise woman. And Andreth and uh, Finrod, they become really close friends and they talk all the time and they converse about real, uh, I don't know, scholarly subjects. Yes. Things that no other people are really talking about. But Andreth was also in love with Finrod's brother, Agnor, uh, but they never married because Angnor dies in the battle of uh, the Dagord Brakulak, the battle of sudden flame. Yeah, it's also they don't really talk about Andreth after that, so it's also suggested that she died in the Dagord Brakulak. Also, a lot Damn. of people did. That sucks. <laughs> a lot of people died in the battle of sudden flame. But uh, like we mentioned, they'd often visit and discuss matters of elves and men, and one of their conversations. Uh, is apparently really well noted on by Tolkien. He really expanded it out. And uh, if you read Morgoth's Ring in the history of Middle-earth, they, they get into this. And this conversation is known as Athrobeth Finrod a Andreth. And it's just, it's a conversation where Findra, uh, Finrod and Andreth, they discuss the metaphysical differences between elves and men and the imbalance between their different fates. They just get real down into the nitty-gritty about this stuff. Yeah. We've also got a quote from uh, Morgoth's Ring. It's a quote of Christopher Tolkien, actually, talking about this conversation that they had. The Athrobeth Finrod a Andreth perhaps marks the culmination of my father's thoughts on the relation of elves and men. In Finrod's exalted vision of the original design of Eru for mankind... But his central purpose was to explore fully 
for the first time, the nature of the marring of men. Yeah, so just a little more detail about that conversation. Yeah, and I I haven't read that. Tolkien just gets right down to all of the little details about men and elves and their differences in this. Yeah, and I I have the uh, History of Middle-Earth, the series complete now, because I I totally use this podcast as an excuse to be like... (laughs) Oh, you have now all of it now? Yeah, I have them all now. When did you get the last one? Uh, I don't remember. I've had them for a while. Okay. The, I'm, the only thing I'm upset about is that my volumes one through five are paperback. So oh. I got to get those on hardcover like the rest of them. Oh, yeah. But the series is complete, one through 12. Yeah, that hardcover complete series of the history of Middle Earth, that is like a goal for yeah. every Tolkien fan. Like, yeah. For every Tolkien nerd, it's oh, it's gorgeous. And you have volumes one through five, and then seven, and then seven, yeah, seven, right? And I ordered two copies of seven, so I gave one to Joel. So I have one hardback, <laughs> volume seven, and then I've got the paperback five. That's all right. We'll get there. Yeah. All right. Let's get into that. Uh, that old one of my favorite things to say, Dagor Bragolak, the Battle of Sudden Flame. Yes, we've come to the dark times once again. This is in the year First Age 455, and this is the fourth of the great battles, 405, in what is known as the War of the Jewels. And the Dagor Bragalak is described to start on a cold winter night, when the Elven Watch was at its least vigilant. Morgoth sends out rivers of flame and poisonous fumes from Thangaradrim, and it's just a fucking mess. And a lot, a lot, a lot of crazy shit happens, but uh, we're not going to get into it here. Um, we're going to do that in a future episode. Yeah, I think we, we've mentioned a couple of times, and we are still planning to do a, a episode about some of the major battles. Yeah. So, But we are going to kind of go over what happens in the Dagor Brackalock in regards to Finrod Feligand. Right. That's who we're talking about today. So during the battle, Finrod came north through the Pass of Sirion with an army, hoping to aid in the battle because this was just a sudden onslaught. And there, they are pan- they are uh, ambushed by orcs in the Fens of Sarek, which sounds like a very shitty place to be, marshland. Yeah, the Fens of Sarek are just a big marshland. We were talking about it actually just a little bit ago. We think that it might actually, well, I mentioned it might actually be uh, sort of a early inspiration for like the dead marshes. Yeah. Yeah, just a big nasty marshy land where a bunch of people die. Yeah. Because Finrod's army gets ambushed there by, by the orcs. And they all would have died if not for Barahir and his valiant men of the House of Beor, who descend from Dorthonian and they save Finrod and the day. Yeah, they really save the day here. But not at a low price. No. Not at Walmart prices, that's for sure. <laughs> no. No, Barahir's men took heavy, heavy losses, but they were ultimately successful. And in pro- profound gratitude, Finrod gave Barahir the ring of his house. And uh, Finrod pledged that he would aid Barahir and his kin at any time of need. And that's when the ring later became, or now known, now became known as the Ring of Barahir. It gets that famous name. The Ring of Barahir, our favorite artifact. (laughs) Make him do a little jingle. (laughs) So by the time the uh, Dagor Bragalok ended, there was, like we mentioned, a lot of shit that happened. And we're just going to kind of breeze over some of the results as they pertain to, to Finrod. Uh, so after the battle was done, uh, not long after, actually, Finrod also lost Minas Tirith in Tolsirion. No! Yeah, in the year 457 of the First Age, it was just two years after the battle was done, Sauron actually went and attacked Minas Tirith. And this is the first time, harken back to the Sauron episode, this is the first time that we see Sauron 
outwardly do something this evil. Yeah, I think it's actually, isn't it the opening excerpt for the Sauron episode? It definitely is. Yeah, hell yeah. So go back and listen to that episode for this excerpt. It's freaking, it's dope. Yeah, it's super dope. He attacks with a bunch of like Halloween creatures. Yeah, that's right, the Halloween style creatures. So this drives Orodreth out of the Tower of Guard right away. And he and his people, or remaining people, they retreat to Nargothrond with Finrod. And Sauron renames the island of Tolsirian, Tol and Gaurhoth, which means the Isle of Werewolves. Yeah, like we said, Halloween creatures, man. There were like vampires, werewolves. Vampires, goblins, ghouls. All sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> the Babadook. <laughs> and also, uh, a result of the battle, Keligorm and Kurufin are driven out of their lands, and they flee to Nargothrond. Fuck those guys. Yeah, fuck them. Initially, when they get to Nargothrond, the brothers actually bring some strong defenses to the kingdom, which really helps Nargothrond out, and they were some really good allies for a time. But that kind of goes uh, goes south when uh, Baron, son of Barahir, arrives years later. A quick excerpt from the Silmarillion about Kelgorm uh, and Kurofin coming back, to, coming to Nargothrond. Thus, it came to pass that their people swelled the strength of Nargothrond, but it would have been better, as was after seen, if they had remained in the east among their own kin. Yeah, so this kind of brings us right up into the events of the uh, quest for the Silmaril in Baron and Luthien. It's Baron and Luthien territory. For more about this story, go back and see our not super, super popular episodes <laughs> on Baron and Luthien. So about 10 years after Finrod's oath to Barahir, and that was uh, right after that was right at, toward the end of the Dagor Bragalock, 10 years later, Baron comes to Nargothrond seeking Finrod's help. So Baron sits down and has probably what the most real the realest conversation <laughs> with, <laughs> with Finrod, and he tells him his whole story and pulls out his bro card and says, "I need your help getting a Silmaril for Morgoth's crown." Yeah, he pulls out that ring of bear here, and he's like, I calling, I'm calling on that oath. Calling you up. Here you go. And yeah, and I mean, just asking anyone to help you on this quest is just outrageous. I mean, he's yeah. Baron's on his way to go try to walk right into Angband and just take a Silmaril out of Morgoth's crown Yeah, just so he could marry some chick. Like, I, I can see why he thinks he'd have to call on an oath <laughs> to get someone to help him yeah. with that. But he does, and in this, Finrod perceives the fulfillment of his oath and that it would likely mean his death. No shit. It was meant to be Baron's death. Mm -hmm. But when Keligorm and Kurufin heard about Baron's quest, they threatened him and anyone that might give him help. Yeah, because keep in mind, they're hanging out in Nargothrond right now when Baron shows up. In this dissuaded most of Finrod's people from joining, (laughs) and they kind of forsook their king for a second there. Yeah, they're, apparently the brothers had a lot of sway in the kingdom. Yeah. Because like I said, they had been really good allies up until this point. Mm-hmm. I guess little did everyone know that they're complete fucking dicks. Yeah. So in kind of a scene, Finrod, all frustrated, throws his crown down on the ground and just kind of rebukes his people's faithlessness because uh, he knows he's going to go on this quest and he's asking his people, his warriors, to help him and everyone's just kind of like, nah. And we've got an excerpt from the Silmarillion about this scene. And now they murmured that Finarfin's son was not as a valid to command them, and they turned their faces from him. But the curse of Mandos came upon the brothers, and dark thoughts arose in their hearts, thinking to send Felgund alone to his death, and to usurp the throne of Nargothrond. 
and Falagund, seeing that he was forsaken, took from his head the silver crown of Nargothrond and cast it at his feet, saying, Your oaths of faith to me you may break, but I must hold my bond. And yet if there be any on whom the shadow of our curse has not yet fallen, I should find at least a few to follow me, and should go not hence as a beggar that is thrust from the gates. So quite a dramatic scene. Yeah, dude. Throws the crown down and everything. Yeah, and this uh, this kind of really shows where Kelgorm and Kurfin really start to become pretty big dicks. Because here it, it talks about how they're straight up now planning to usurp the throne. Yeah, from exactly. Him. Yeah. And at this point, a faithful elf by the name of Edrahil, he calms he calms the room. He calms the room down, and he picks up Finrod's crown and reassured Finrod that he was and will remain their king. Yeah, he also asks if the crown can be given to a steward in the meantime until Finrod returns. He's just trying to be respectful. And, of course, Orodreth was chosen to be the steward. Naturally. He was the, uh, I mean, he was the one looking after Minas Tirith. Yeah. So, ultimately, only ten warriors of the whole goddamn kingdom, only ten warriors were faithful enough to join him on, a, on his quest. Eesh. Yeah, and so they left Nargothrond, Baron, Finrod, and the... Uh, Ten other warriors. Ten bros. And they headed up north towards Angband. Beneath the shadowy mountains, they came across the camp of orcs, and they slew them all in the night. And uh, they took all the orcs' gears and weapons, and uh, Finrod used some fancy magic, uh, and their forms and faces were changed to the likeness of orcs. This is the kind of cool shit that Finrod can do. Yeah, he's got that, that real crazy elf magic going on. So using these new disguises, now that they straight up look like orcs, uh, they hoped that they could just travel straight up north. It's actually a pretty good plan. Because, I mean, getting up to Angban, where Melkor and the Silmarils are, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And this seemed like a good way to go about it. Yeah. But on their way north, they had to go through the Pass of Syrian. And that is currently ruled by Sauron. Uh-oh. And while they were in the pass, they're, of course, spotted by Sauron. Uh, and he got suspicious uh, because they were moving quite quickly. <laughs> <clears throat> and they also hadn't checked in to be like, hey, orc, orc purporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he sounds a keen guy. He caught on to these little things. And so he sent out a party to go capture them and bring them back to the dungeons of Minas Tirith for questioning. Meanwhile, Luthien had left Doriath and was on her way to save Baron and company when she was kidnapped, of course, by Caligorm and Kurifin. Yeah, so Luthien has some kind of a premonition about them being captured and how they're in danger. So she dips out to try to go save them. Would have been real helpful. But by just some real sad happenstance, they cross paths with these two dicks in the woods. <laughs> and Kelgorm and Kurofin, they, they straight up promise, they tell her that they're going to help her because she's like desperately trying to find someone to help her get to save Baron and Finrod. Yeah. But as soon as they figure out what she's doing, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, come with us. Yeah, come with us back to Nargothron. Oh, they're in Nargothron, dude. They're having a fun, they're having right. a fun time. Straight up capture her, bring her back to the Nargothrond, and just lock her up there, hoping to let uh, Finrod and Baron die so that they could not only become kings themselves, but now they could try to marry Luthien yeah. themselves. Because they were going to marry her to to Kelegorm, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just uh, even more power for them. Because Kurifin's already married. Really? Yeah, because he has Celebrimbor, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Celebrimbor is also in Nargothrond while this is happening. That's right, yes. Something to note. Celebrimbor is around, and he is around for all of this mm-hmm. in Nargothrond. But back in Tol Syrian, or I should say, back in Tol in Garoth, Sauron is uh, attempting to figure out 
who they are, because he knows that they're not who they say, and he tries to strip their disguises using magic. And this was no easy feat, because Finrod Felagund, as we know, adept at magic. Very good at it. Him and his family. And this, uh, what ensues, is what we, we uh, uh, keep on Tolkien coined as the sing-song battle between Sauron and Felagund. Yeah, it's uh, literally a, a magical battle of song. It's pretty epic. And uh, so we've got a excerpt from actually the Lay of Lithian about the song battle. He chanted a song of wizardry, of piercing opening of treachery, revealing, uncovering, and betraying. Then sudden Felagun there swaying, sang in song a song of staying, resisting, battling against power, of secrets kept, strength like a tower, and trust unbroken, freedom escape, of changing and of shifting shape, of snares eluded, broken traps, the prison opening, the chain that snaps. Backwards and forwards swayed their song, reeling and foundering as ever more strong. The chanting swelled, Felagun fought, and all the magic and might he brought of Elvaness into his words. Softly in the gloom they heard the birds singing afar in Nargothrond, the sighing of the sea beyond, beyond the western world on sand, on sand of pearls in Elvenland. God, I fucking love reading the lays, dude. I know. It's so awesome. We were going to do a Patreon segment where we just read the lays, but we're not 100% sure if that's legal. Yeah, there might be some copyright issues with us just... If anybody knows for sure if we can do that. (laughs) About copyright legalities. If there's any copyright lawyers out there listening, let us know if we can do that. Because we really would like to. Yeah, the lays are absolutely gorgeous. But uh, ultimately, after the sing-song battle, Sauron is successful... And Finrod Felgen does fall before his throne, and they are stripped of their disguises. But even though they were stripped of their disguises, Sauron couldn't really tell who they were. Yeah, their identities are safe. Yeah. It's just their disguises. So Now he like, knows that he's got a handful of elves and a man. Yeah, 11 elves and a man. And they're all naked. And they're all nude. Like, buck-ass naked. But naked and he perceives that finrod is some kind of a noldor of great might but other than that that's all he's got and he's still trying to get out of them you know what is your name what is your quest mm-hmm. what is your favorite color so they were stripped naked and they were imprisoned in a dark pit nice and one by one they were killed by werewolves until someone would reveal their identities but guess what because these faithful motherfuckers nobody said shit and they all just got eaten by wolves which is terrible, but that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at, you know, that's honorable. It's a baller way to go. The ten faithful. It kind of sucks that the ten that were actually faithful of the kingdom did all end up getting killed. But yeah. I guess that's just kind of the uh, the dark poetry of life. The way she goes. So finally, after all of their all of their ten men had been killed and it was just Baron and Finrod left, finally the werewolf comes for Baron. And this is an excerpt from the Silmarillion. When the werewolf came to kill Baron, Felagun put forth all his power and burst his bonds. And he wrestled with the werewolf and slew it with his hands and teeth. Yet he himself was wounded to the death, and he died in the dark, in Tal and Garoth, whose great tower he himself had built. Thus King Finrod Felagund, the fairest and most beloved of the house of Finway, redeemed his oath. There are so many emotions in that excerpt. Yeah, dude. There's some 
badassery, like super metal, slew him with his hands and teeth. <laughs> putting forth all of his elven power, bursting his bonds. But then just, oh, his death and the redemption of his oath. Moment of silence. Pour one out. Yeah. So that ended Finrod Felagund, the fairest and most noble of the Noldor. And how sad and ironic that it happened in his tower. Yeah, dude. That got taken over and put to evil purposes. Yeah. He got imprisoned in his own prison and killed there. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. It's some heavy shit. Yeah. Some real heavy shit, especially for such a good guy. Yeah, dude. So after the death of Finrod, not long after the death, uh, Baron was saved by Luthien and Huon. And Luthien and Huon would have been there a hell of a lot sooner and possibly saved all of them if it hadn't been for fucking Kalagorm and Kurufin. Dicks. Here we see the oath once again just fucking up everything. Everything. But nonetheless, that happened and he did die. But... Cool little fact about Fenrod, because of his noble actions in life, he was reincarnated in Valinor. And he and Glorfindel are actually the only elves who were ever known to be reincarnated before the War of Wrath. And those, I mean, if you ever wanted to reincarnate any of the elves, hell those yeah, are, those two. two. Yeah. Hell yeah. It is said in the Silmarillion that Fenrod walks with his father, Fenarfin, beneath the trees in Eldamar. So he does get some kind of a, a reward for being a good guy. Yeah. Hanging out in Valinor with his dad. It's also said in the Lay of Lethian that Finrod also dwells now with Amarie, his lover back in Valinor. Aww. So everything all kind of, even though it really fucking sucked for him at the end there. Yeah. It hey, all baby. Kinda, he, got, he got some good shit in the end. It all kind of <laughs> worked out. Could you imagine that? Hey, hey, baby, guess what I just got done doing? <laughs> Kill the werewolf naked. Yeah, you know. No big deal. So badass, they thought they'd reincarnate me. You just thought they'd reincarnate me, you know what I mean? No big deal. It's whatever. Yeah. It's whatever. But uh, that's more or less the, the end of Finrod Felgen's story. And I actually really like that story. Yeah, Finrod's, he's a, he's awesome. He's a good guy. He's a character that you want to love and you want to back him up. And he goes on some ups and downs and the end is brutal, but then it's happy. And yeah. I don't know, it's a good story. So it's time for our favorite segment. What did we learn today? On KOT. <laughs> We're going to have to cut that out, that audio clip, and just make that the little jingle every time we get to every the end time. of it. So, uh, so today we learned about Finrod Felagun's birth and his early life in Valinor. We learned about uh, his part in the flight of the Noldor, or I guess more or less his kind of lack thereof. He was just kind of riding along to get to Middle-earth. We also learned about his establishment of the kingdom of Nargothrond and the, his discovery of and his relations with the the race of men. We went over uh, his role and what happened to him uh, before and after the Dagor Bragalock. And we went over Finrod's oath with Barahir and the passage of the Ring of Barahir. We also learned about his role in the quest for the Silmaril and his ultimate untimely demise. And also his reincarnation in Valinor. Hooray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's all we've got for you today, guys. And this marks the end of our big three-part shenanigan. For our three-part <laughs> series for for uh, for season three. Yeah, this kind of this kind of wraps up. I really like this one. Yeah, Princess of the Noldor was a good idea. Yeah, and uh, I think we mentioned this before, but this might be more than a three-part series because there's, yeah, cause so, there's many. so many of them, man. Yeah, so we'll, we'll probably continue this series and throw out some more. Yeah, but for now, we're done. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> we wanted to throw out a big thank you again to everyone for listening. We love you all. Oh, yeah. Super exciting, guys. We got some news. We oh, yeah. Hit, big announcement. Big announcement. We got hit with, uh, we hit uh, 10,000 overall plays. Yeah. As yeah. of uh, as of the, us recording this, which is uh, the very beginning of October, if anyone cares. Uh, yeah, we just <laughs> hit we just hit ten thousand plays, guys, which is which is huge for us. We've only been doing this like a year, so yeah, like a year in like three weeks. Like it's yeah, it's been uh, wow. It's been a whirlwind beyond words. Yeah, <laughs> all thanks to you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe to us on all of your favorite social medias. You know, we're on the Facebooks and the Twitters. We also have our YouTube channel, which uh, all of our episodes are up. And then all the videos that we make for anything are also on there. And of course, our new Patreon. Um, If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a monthly subscription service where you give a set donation to help us do what we do here for you. And um, yeah, you set your own payment and you also get exclusive content from us here at Keep on Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an added thank you. And we've got uh, got some fun stuff on there. So go check it out. But yeah, that's it for us for now, guys. Um, I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. And remember, as always, keep, keep on, on talking. Aure! Entulva!